everybody. It's Esther, and I welcome you to the Life with Gains podcast. Um, on tonight, we're continuing our series of Aiding Archer. And I'm really excited about this series. If you haven't watched the first two, please go back and listen to those because um, they're from some amazing ladies, including the one that I'm inviting on the platform tonight. Aiding Archers, again, is coming from Psalms 127 and 4, as well as Hebrews 13 and 16 just to assist parents who are, um, as the Bible says, warriors, and aiming their kids well. And I'm doing that, hopefully, by allowing some people on the platform who are able to share and to help others as best as they can with the gifts that they have on the platform that they are. So on tonight, I want to introduce Miss Mary Beth Leonard. Hello. <laughs> Mary, let's tell the people how we know each other. Um, so we met my first year teaching. Oh, um, it was <laughs> um, we were teaching on the same hall. Um, we weren't. We were middle school teachers. So, uh, in case y'all don't know, uh, middle school is like divided into teams. So we taught the same grade level, but we weren't on the same team. Um, but your team had all the young cool teachers. Uh, so under your wing and let me be an honorary member of your team. Yes, we loved you. You were like, you just fit right in. What was your team? We were the Panthers. Who were you guys? We were the Lions. That's right. I feel like that whole building was interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> Middle schoolers are interesting. Um, I was thinking, I was telling, uh, my husband the other day, he was asking how we knew each other and I was like, oh man. And one year we were trying to get the kids hype for EOGs and we made a rap to the Fresh Prince. <laughs> Do you remember? I like remember the, um, how hot my ears were. Cause I was so nervous. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Cause you know, seventh graders can be ruthless. Oh man. Yes, they are something else. <laughs> but I mean, most of them, I think they appreciated the effort. And I mean, we had some, I mean, most of our kids were good kids. Like, yeah, they were. What's mm -hmm. crazy is, I mean, they're all grown now. My last group that I taught in middle school graduated this year. They were the class of 2020. So that was crazy. So you taught what in middle school? I taught seventh grade science, eighth grade science, uh, and then I moved to high school and taught um, freshman biology, upperclassmen biology, uh, and then some upperclassmen physical science. And then, so now tell us what you do. So now I am at, um, I teach at a community college, um, and I teach in the college and career readiness program. So um, I help folks prepare for high school equivalency exams, um, formerly known as the GED, but uh, now it's just the high school equivalency. There are a few different tests that can get you to that um, outcome. So I help folks prepare for that. I teach reading skills, comprehension, um, social studies, science and math. So I see like your classroom setting behind you. Does yes. that entail something else? 
Yes. So I also teach online with a company um, called VIP Kids or VIP Kid, excuse me. Oh, there's no S. Um, that's a, a whole deal. It's <laughs> <laughs> the whole deal. It's VIP Kid. Um, and it is a company that pairs native English speaking teachers, mostly in America, with children in China who are learning to speak English. So it's a ESL program. English as a second language and it's full immersion. So I don't know any Chinese um, trying to learn how to count to 10 from one of my students, but no, <laughs> language is not my thing. Um, so, uh, but it's full immersion. The whole point is that the kids are in an environment where they don't have a crutch of their native language. Mm. Um, so they have to rely on their English abilities. Um, to help them learn. Wow. How did, so I'm like listening to your history from middle school to high school, which I could, I could see where that kind of um, could come about, but then from high school to college, then as well as virtual teaching, how did you get to those specific points? Um, the move to high school was kind of just for a change of scenery. Um, I wanted to see what high school was about. I liked the idea of a 90 minute planning period, um, mm. to actually get things done during the school day. Cause our planning was maybe 45, um, in middle school. And that was, that was tough. Um, so I just like the idea of high school and the challenge and difference there. Um, and that was within district. So it was kind of an easy jump. Um, but then um, while I was teaching high school, my son was born um, premature. He was born at 27 weeks and um, had to be in the hospital for about 12 weeks. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I had saved up time for maternity leave, but not enough time to be with him in the hospital and then also be with him when he came home. Because when he came home, he was still like a newborn. He still needed that attention um, and, you know, everything that babies need right when they're born. So um, I quit teaching and um, found this found VIP kid to kind of help fill in the gaps financially uh, for a little while. And then I needed to either go back full time or find something. Uh, so I found the um, college teaching job is just part time. Um, and so I still get to be home most of the time. Um, but I also get that like leaving the house, having a profession, like fill my cup piece as well. So Total, how many years has it been since you've been in the education, educational realm? I have um, been, I graduated 10 years ago. So I've been teaching for 10 years. Wow. I'm years under your belt, girl. No, I'm a veteran now. <laughs> That's so weird to say. Old teacher. <laughs> it does feel so weird to say. I remember like starting out and looking at other teachers on our hall who are, were my age. And I thought, man, what's it going to be like when I've been teaching as long as this person or that person? 
Did you ever think it would be like this? Uh, nope. Never saw a pandemic happening. <laughs> okay. Even that's kind of what I want to add. Pandemics. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite unit, and the kids were like, this will never happen, right? And I was always like, yeah, that was good. We got technology. It's great. Never have another pandemic. Whoops. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. <laughs> Oh man, I didn't think about like studying that in science from that perspective. I think I mainly think about it historically, but history involves and envelops yeah. it. Man, so with your um, job at Wake Tech, that was face to face initially. Yeah, so we were face to face for the first year that I worked there, and then. Um, I teach Monday through Thursday and Thursday afternoon I was walking out and my boss was like, Hey, keep your eye on your email. There's this uh, virus thing. We might need to shut down for a little while. Um, just keep your eye on your email. And by the next morning, uh, we had an email saying that we would be completely online starting on Monday, initially for three weeks. Then we'd see how things were and reassess. Um, but to make sure that we all, downloaded Zoom and uh, sent links out to our students so that they could download Zoom and meet with us for class on Monday. And so basically overnight, we went from classroom to online. Uh, we didn't miss any hours of instruction. We picked right up on Monday online and I've been doing it ever since. Oh my gosh. So from what you look or gathered from how this spring went, what were like a couple of things that worked for you in that transition from face-to-face -to, -face to virtual? Whether it's like a tool or an app that was like, oh yeah, this really works for us. Um, I don't know that there's any one specific tool. Um, I think choosing something and sticking with it is really big, um, especially as the teacher. Um, I knew that most of my students had a Gmail account, so we would be able to use Google Classroom. They would be able to log into that. So I set up Google Classroom and was using that with my students and just keeping communication consistent there. I didn't say, you know, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to switch to that. You know, keeping it, um, keeping something consistent, it was really helpful for my students because they always knew where to look. Um, I would also say over communicating worked well. Um, I emailed all of my students, other instructors were emailing, my supervisors were um, getting in touch. We started texting and calling, just trying to get a hold of folks um, any way we could to make sure they knew. Well, first to make sure they were safe. Um, my students are a pretty vulnerable population uh, considering who essential workers are right now. Um, folks without high school degrees are folks who are working in grocery stores or um, food delivery or bus driving. Um, so, you know, at first it was really just to like, hey, are you okay? I haven't heard from you. And then we're still doing this. You've still got goals. Let's keep at it. Um, so, I would say over communication was like a really big thing along with consistency of platform. 
That's those are really good. Even with, I feel like that could apply to anybody, whether it's you teaching um, the students such as yours or elementary kids and their parents. That consistency and that over communication. I mean, I'm thinking about homeschool. Like, ugh, over communication. <laughs> And yeah. consistency. Those are really those are really good um, tools. What did you notice from the spring that was like a fail? Like, oh my gosh, this is not working. Aside from the fact that hey, we have COVID, right? Um, there were there are some teaching strategies that are you know fail safe. They always work uh, in person. That are just not options virtually. Um, you know, classroom management goes out the window. My only classroom management now is the mute button, um, which was ruthlessly. <laughs> um, and I have no idea like what that would be like with K-12 students. Um, fortunately, my students are adults and I only have to mute them when their dogs are barking or they're breathing too loudly, you know. Um, it's not a big deal, but you know, all of, all of the things that we did classroom management wise are gone. Um, I think a big, a big change as far as like you miss, um, physical cues, um, you know, body language when you're on zoom, especially a lot of my students have their cameras off because it saves data. Um, and it speeds up their connection. So, if their camera's off, they can hear me better or I can hear them better. So I don't get any visual feedback from them and they get very little from me. Um, so that being gone was, is also a big challenge. So I make sure to, um, you know, ask questions that require more than yes or no answers of them. When I ask them to unmute, I ask them to use the chat box a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, just so that I know that folks are with me um, and not, you know, walked away or zoned out, you know, watching me like a TV show. Um, it's still class. It's still an active, <laughs> right? I had one student this morning that was like, what did she say? She was like, oh, she threw her back out yesterday. And she was like, I can't sit up today. I'm sorry. I'm like late on the couch. And I was like, all right, just watch the math show today. And, Try to catch up tomorrow. <laughs> Feel better. <laughs> so with the, um, you said something that was interesting and very like, I think about middle school, like proximity and to get focus and attention and stuff like that. And I'm thinking about virtual teachers in the fall for K through 12. Oh, that's going to be quite interesting especially if you have kids whose parents like their parents are working outside of the house or they're inside the house but they're not going to be sitting right beside the computer so you say like the chat box which i could also see is problematic <laughs> but yeah that could go either way with middle schoolers high schoolers um yeah i think like just as much involvement as possible um most of my students have figured out that they can have our class open in one window and also like follow links to other things. So we, um, 
I've made a lot of worksheets into slides presentations so they can drag and drop and do like matching or they have places to type answers in. Um, so a lot more, maybe a lot more interactive than I would have necessarily made an in-person class because in-person we can have a little bit more conversation flow. That's really good, Mary Beth. Um, that reminded me of, so our sons are taking this um, black history class twice a week with a history teacher. And he talks to them and then he also does like YouTube videos. He always tells the kid, like these kids are from like age four to 17, but he does a really good job with all the ages. But one thing I really appreciated was how he, um, he made them take notes and he asked them questions. And then he used this, I do not remember the website, but it was like, um, it was a multiple game quiz within the Zoom. And it was like, all right, we need everybody to answer. And you want, nobody could get the answer or they wouldn't know what the answer is until like 20 out of 20 kids responded. Um, and then they would see, you know, the scoreboard. And I thought that was so cool. And I'm like, they would have loved that in the classroom. I think it's even more interesting now that you embed it into the online curriculum class thingy. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> so I, that actually leads me to kind of flip over to your VIP kids. What are the ages that you typically um, tutor? I have taught um, kids from... Mm, the their student info said four there's no way this child was four years old they were three had to have been three maybe even two i'm not i'm not lying like class. it was crazy um so they're pretty young um and up to i've had like a 14 or 15 year old um but by that point they've really aged out of the curriculum it's not as interesting anymore they just want to chat with you okay so so with the background that you have is that something that you do because it is a younger age or can you kind of explain that yeah um it's not my i could not teach a classroom of 25 children of that age um but one-on-one -on -one, for 25 minutes is manageable. Um, parents are usually sitting right next to the children off camera or are in another room watching the class on another screen, um, which at first was really intimidating. But I think now that I think about, of course I would be oh, right there. Um, mm -hmm. Of course I would want to, you know, see what adult was saying to my child online um so yeah um and a lot of times like uh i have one student who i've been teaching for two years and his mom is like i'm learning english too um she'll send me little notes and stuff and she's like, i learned this from you you're the sweetest hello so they always i don't know if it's the translation i'm gonna take it as a compliment but they always say beautiful teacher we will date again soon <laughs> <I love it. laughs> because it's mom oh. 
we will date soon. That's really good though. Yeah. I can't imagine like being able to, you're impacting like generations, Mary Beth. Like it is such a status thing to be fluent conversationally and academically in English. Um opens so many doors for these kids. So um, many of them are learning English in school two or three hours a day, and then they're taking this class to learn conversational, uh, to hear different accents. Um, you know, most kids pick up different teachers throughout the week, so they may hear me with my Southern accent on Monday, and then they hear, you know, someone teaching from somewhere Boston and hear their accent later in the week. and they're seeing the same vocabulary and doing the same activities, but they're hearing different accents. And that can also be really valuable um, as far as, you know, what their goals in life are. I think it's a big status symbol from what I'm learning uh, in China to be able to come to the US for college. Um, so being able to understand different accents would be really beneficial if you were going to move here um, because there's no, there's nowhere you could go in the U.S. now that you encounter multiple dialects from within the U.S. Um, so being able to hear that and understand would be super important, super beneficial to these kids. So um, they also learn a lot of English from watching Peppa Pig. So a lot of students will speak oh in a British no, no. <laughs> I'm like avoiding that. <laughs> my house as much as possible but um it is interesting the things that students will say and i have to like stop and think like that's not what we say here well how do i how do i explain that like in in england they say this word um but in america we say fish and chips is always one mm. toy french fries and the kids will say chips chips and like no they're they're fries Oh. <laughs> um, okay, so let's hit on that. You have the um, props. How do those, have those been like key? Yes, so these are super important, especially with the little kids. I don't do this with my adult students, but anything that we're learning about, you know, it's great to have something to show. So either, um, you know, all this toy food that I have, stolen from the play kitchen um <laughs> found at the dollar store and bought two packs one for my son and one for me okay dollar store let's go yeah so the kids um it's really helpful for students to see what you're talking about and um see it in a different way there's always a picture in our lesson um but it's also nice to have something that i can show like all the sides of or interact with um I don't know bananas always become foams in class and doesn't matter your age doesn't matter where you're from this is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> I love it I think that's something um teachers who could also benefit from whether it's you know first grade words or vocabulary with literature books like having maybe not you won't have something tangible like if you're reading Romeo and Juliet but you could have something like visual or that's present there that would really help so that's a really good idea what about your school over there 
does that is that a VIP kid thing or is that a Mary Beth thing behind you? Oh, this this is um, required for VIP kids. I was in a meeting the other day and they were like, "How did you make that virtual background? It looks so real." I was like, this is my wall. Look, I can take things off. Uh, but yeah, I do take stuff on the side too. Um. You know, in all my free time. Um, yeah, so VIP Kid requires us to have a educational background. They want it to look like class. Um, I don't know. Maybe they think that students will take it more seriously if it looks like class. Um, so, and a lot of, I don't know, a lot of uh, that job is putting on airs, maybe like keeping an appearance on. You, know, you need to look professional. You need to have a professional background. Um, parents, I'm an independent contractor. I'm not guaranteed to ever teach. Um, I woke up Saturday morning expecting to teach four classes, and overnight, three of them had canceled. So I went from making <laughs> four classes worth to making one class worth that morning. Um, so it's all at the will of the parents. So, um, you know, it's important to keep all your certifications up to date and keep yourself in your classroom looking nice um, so that parents will take you seriously and continue to book with you. I think that's really cool though for, cause it's per session, right? You get paid per, okay. Yeah. Yeah, there are some bonuses thrown in here and there based on how many you teach or get different um, ratings. You know, it's kind of like your your Uber driver. I get a rating after every class. Parents can give me between one and five apples and leave a comment. Um, so, and those are always very interesting because parents leave their comments in Chinese and then some algorithm translates them. And so, you know, just like in English, we have uh, idioms and sayings that don't make sense in context uh, or out of context. Uh, <laughs> the other day, comment that I didn't drain the chicken blood in class, um, I believe was the phrase. And I was like, I went back. And because sometimes, like, I had taught a lesson that morning. I didn't think it was this child, but I had taught about. Um, life on the farm and we had talked about like horses and cows and chickens and so I was like well like did I oh my gosh did I do something like culturally inappropriate that I didn't know about yeah um and on and on and so I, I am a member of this Facebook group of teachers for VIP kid that also speak Chinese or are from China and so I took a screenshot and posted it and it got a lot of laughs and finally um uh woman from China commented and she was like, oh my gosh, this is hilarious. It's a Chinese idiom that means you were not crazy. You didn't, um, you know, like go all out. You weren't over the top. You had a very calm presence in class. And so I was like, that is bizarre. And she was like, well, it's just like you telling someone that it's raining cats and dogs outside and they go like, like an Amelia Bedelia book, like you go out and you're looking for cats and yeah. dogs falling from that. So um, that was that was really funny. Usually the translations are 
off. Like instead of we'll make an appointment or we'll have another class, they say we'll date again soon. Like <laughs> things like that. Like, you know what they mean. Like you're setting a day. For- I can get yeah, I you're can see that. Um, but <laughs> train the chicken blood. That was, that was something else. I wonder. And that's the one thing I'm curious about with, because um, you know how when we taught, we had, you know, parent teacher conferences. They were mm-hmm. lovely sometimes. And just wondering how that's going to go for teachers who are going to be virtual or even like on this uh, rotating modified schedule. And just how um, there's, I think Zoom does, I mean, any platform like Zoom gives you the chance to see facial expressions and all that. But then it's different because in person you can see more from the person saying it. So I'm just curious about how that is because then you have the mom and the child right there or the dad and the child right there. And then you have the teacher on the other side of the screen and just missing that. that type of environment, but somehow still making connections, which I guess for you with VIP kids, that's, you you make connections with your kids and your families, obviously, but it is restricted in terms of safety and protocol and stuff like that. Has any of that been different related to when you taught um, face-to-face or is it pretty much the same um, expectation? As far as like communicating with parents, communicating with parents, interacting with kids. Um, I think, I mean, the rules of interacting with kids are pretty common everywhere. You know, what's appropriate and what's not um, is pretty universal. Um, I would say that with VIP kid communication with parents is almost more intense or more I don't know, strict than it was in the classroom. Um, I have to leave. It's like Twitter. There's a character count. I have to leave at least 150 characters of feedback every class. So I have to at least type two or three sentences about how the child did in every, in every single class, or I don't get paid um, for that class. So um, that has made me really value um, feedback and understand more what parents want to know. Um, mm-hmm. because it, they were there for the whole class. They sat with us. I don't need to say we reviewed life on the farm and learned these nouns and these verbs. I need to say, Hey, when your child reads, um, they are not pausing at periods and commas. When we read in English and we see these punctuations, we pause and take a breath. It, is you know makes the natural cadence of our speech or you know whatever Mm. um stuff like that is actually valuable for the kids to improve so um i that has really taught me that what the feedback i give is important um right before i left teaching high school i was in this conversation with several of my colleagues of um getting rid of grades, you know, what even is an A, what even is a 92, like, what is that, what does that mean to anyone? Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about how kids really need to know what they've done and how they can improve, um, or what they've done and what they didn't do, things right. like that. And so all of this has really um, kind of shaped my ideas of 
how to communicate with kids and parents because parents expect number grades and letter grades. That's what we've always had. Mm -hmm. um, so making shifts like that require a lot more back and forth and a lot more details. Um, and so the program that I teach in now, we don't have grades because the whole goal is to take this test and get your high school equivalency. So um, it's just really nice um, to kind of have this, I don't know, kind of come full circle and yeah. have this background of giving rich feedback because that's what my students want and need. There's an essay component of their um, exam. And if I say, good essay, you made an 80, that doesn't mean anything to them about like taking their, taking their exam in a few weeks. So, um, you know, learning how to give really precise um, feedback, like, you know, this is not a thesis statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, is important. And I think that's really going to be important for those virtual teachers um, this fall. Um, mm -hmm. I think everyone around us is going to be virtual for a while before they go to that hybrid model. And I think that like very specific feedback um, to each child and often is going to be really important. It's going to be hard. Yeah. I, um, I did tutor.com for almost 10 years while I was teaching and then well, probably more than that. No, yeah, it was about 10 years. And feedback, I, I don't know that it was that important, um, but in the process of, like, proofing essays, they were big on, you don't just tell them, um, this needs to be corrected, but you have to, you need to be able to ask them questions and get them to kind of see mm -hmm. what's wrong and then explain the process of how to get it right. And as I'm thinking about a previous interview, I think it's, uh, we were talking about the Socratic method, that, like this idea of just continuing to ask questions um, so that we can identify like where there may be breaks in the process. Um, and then that's what we hit on and making sure we're like assessing our kids to see what they do and don't know and, you yeah. know, make their strength stronger, but also like, okay, how can we make your weaknesses, improve your weaknesses? I think that's, gosh, Mary Beth, that is so good to me because I'm sitting here like, even at home, like that could be good for my kids. For I could be like, okay, that your the room looks horrible still. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that. I don't think I said that. I was like, okay, you guys are still are not done. But like giving them specific feedback on what is good, what is bad, how can we improve. Mm -hmm. Um, that is so good. And I think teachers will really appreciate appreciate that. Even parents who are watching this. So thank you. You're welcome. That's so good. <laughs> That's we have learned in uh, speech therapy too, is just the as specific as we can be um, will help parent and develop language. Um, so not just like you were saying, like, you're not done here. Like, hey, I still see Legos on the floor. Those need to be put away. Where do the Legos go? Girl, <laughs> you what do you know about Legos? <laughs> I, man, between, uh, before I got this job at Wake Tech, I was working at a track out camp that your boys would have thought they had died and gone to heaven. We had a week long 
we had two or three week long like Lego camps, and one of them was stop motion Lego. So we would get all the Legos out and like build sets, and then make m- little Lego movies that the kids were like totally in charge of. They were oh. like all the creativity. Um, but and then we like would build a city one week, and there was something else that we did. But I mean, I have never. We had the whole room those. <laughs> Big, like, plastic containers that, like, slide up under your bed. We would have one for each color. Girl, bye. So we'd have a whole red thing. A whole one full of orange. And, like, that was half the fun. was, like, you know, I'm building a red wall. Okay, how about it? Like, I need, and kids would come to me, like, I need a two-by-four um, plate, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you gotta... <laughs> Go find it. Good luck. Here's the bin. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I would be so excited, but then come cleanup time. Oh, and that was the best part. I'm not in charge of cleanup. We fed everybody afternoon snack. If I see any Legos on the floor, nobody gets snack. Oh. Those kids <laughs> crawling around <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> picking them up. And they would call each other out. They would be like, that's your area. You go clean up. I still see Legos. <laughs> I want my Pringles. You better clean up your area. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds like our boys too. They always be like, "So and so's not cleaning up." And sometimes I'd be like, "Okay, they really aren't cleaning up." So I'm like, "All right, you got to do this by yourself. This side by yourself." But that's yeah, that's so funny. Well, as we close out, I wanted to ask you: um, you are a wife, you are a mom, and mm-hmm. you are all of these things, teacher, educator. How have you felt supported from your husband and your family and friends throughout the years transitioning? Um, I would have never felt safe or made left the classroom without my husband. Um, I really thought that I was a lifer. You know, I had the teaching fellow scholarship. I was committed to. Me too. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Best and the brightest, man. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I'm a little cocky, but it's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I really thought that I was in public education for life and that my heart is still there. I am still in public education, but um, I really didn't see myself leaving ever. And it just... Um, it was like unfathomable, unfathomable. But as we were going through that big trauma, um, my husband looked at me one day and he was like, you're not well. And this is not, you can't go back in the fall. Like we're, we'll figure it out. You can't do this to yourself. Um, and so he helped me, um, type the email to my principal (laughs) and, um, you know, uh, helped me find that job at that camp that held us for a little while until I found this at Wake Tech and um, supported me with letting me go to bed early so that I could get up early to teach um, with VIP Kid. And, um, you know, now he takes our son away on the weekend so that I can have quiet time. Hey, to hey. Listen. <laughs> And that is, you know, that is huge. Um Fair. And then also um, the grandmas 
my mom and my mother-in-law are here four days a week for three hours a day to keep um, our son occupied while my husband is working and I'm teaching. So they are, they're awesome for that. That That's a lot to add. Yeah, that's, I mean, you might have made me cry when you talked about your husband, um, because it's very similar with us, like, just not not necessarily leaving teaching, but they're just different seasons where my husband was like, okay, you are not doing well, we will figure, like, he almost used the same words, we'll figure it out, and to have somebody, whether it's your husband, whether it's your mom, whether it's, like, your best friend, be like, okay, girl, we, this is not working we're going to figure this out like that that is so valuable and so needed and i bet you it probably took like some reckoning with you within yourself because like you said you never thought you would come out and it's almost like you have this like but i'm supposed to this is what i'm supposed to do and yes yeah definitely it took a lot um of like soul searching and prayer um because I really have always felt like teaching was my calling um, since since high school when I was like, hey, this is like what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this scholarship and I'm going <laughs> to do it. Um, I really felt like it was my calling. And, it, I, you know, I still feel that way. You can be called to things for seasons. Yeah. Um, and it just looks as, a different way now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's still... Um, I don't know. I got into it with my students today, not like uh, in like a aggressive way, but we were chatting about, um, I don't know, I was teaching social studies. So we were talking about money or economy or something. And I was talking about public education. And I was like, I'm sorry, you guys, I just get really fired up. <laughs> I really, really believe that everyone should have free quality education. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Gotta step down. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because like you know our story or like my story is I went to I was in private school I was in public school um, went to public university went to private university taught in public school and now homeschool and I think a lot of times people when I say oh yeah homeschool they expect a oh so you're all over here and I was like, no, it's a product of circumstance and what God calls us for to right now. God calls us for right now. But best belief, like public school is not, it is no joke and it is so necessary. That's why when like all the decisions with this fall and the teachers, like I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm feeling for my coworkers or well, previous cohort. Cause that's like, you miss your kids, you miss your classroom. Um, it can get frustrating sometimes, but this is also your job, and then you got to do yeah. like it's a lot. And I just get, oh yeah, that's another. <laughs> I know I've been right there. I've been on pins and needles all summer, and it, I have known since June that I was going to be virtual until at least January. That was the decision that my boss made, and so I, I have no, I've no, I wasn't sweating for me, but for right. all of my who are still, um, you know, in public education and making decisions for their children. Like, they're not making decisions for themselves going back into the classroom, but what about, what do they do with their own children? Like, is it safe for their kids to go to school if they're at school being exposed to all these kids? Like, 
how much contamination can come into your house in one day? Right. How do you feel? But if you are at work teaching, what do you do with your children? If you sign them up for virtual academy, I mean, it has just been so much, so much. So much. That's why I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) I mean, like, I literally have just been praying for, I mean, thinking about our friend who literally just had a baby. Well, similar story as yours. Um, how is she feeling? Other friends who are pregnant, other people who have lost loved ones over this. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, but I think that's why that's a big reason why I wanted to have this platform with people from so many different perspectives because I really feel like I'm listening to you tonight and I'm like, man, I could so apply this right now. I could so tell my friend about this or she can listen. Um, even hopefully dads, whether married or not, could hear how your husband responded and gain, you know, some knowledge of support as well. Um, it's just, that's why I wanted to do this because it's so necessary right now. And I really, really, really am so glad you decided to be interviewed. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This has been like a really enlightening conversation for me too. Every time I talk about teaching, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like doing a good job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not like I'm not tooting my horn, but it's easy to get into your, like, think about your faults when you're reflecting on your day and how could your class have gone better. And then I'm sitting here talking about, you know, this, the big cha- challenges that, I've overcome um, since March to teach virtually and like, Oh, I'm doing fine. Yeah. You're girl. Yes. You are doing so well. So for those of you who are watching, please, please make sure that you hit subscribe on the life with gains YouTube page so that you can come back and listen to this over and over again, as well as the previous interviews. If you're on Instagram, you can follow me at life with underscore Esther life with underscore email is my husband and then life with gains podcast as well you will also be able to find us on facebook at life with gains thank you guys so much for watching and we'll see you next time bye